Go ahead and turn to John chapter 8. We're continuing on in our series in the Gospel of John. So turn in your Bible, your electronic device, or your photographic memory, whatever works for you. John chapter 8. We'll start in verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. And these words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We ask, Lord, once again, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would speak to us, that you would reveal truth to our hearts. We thank you for being here. We thank you for your word. Transform us today, Lord, we pray for your glory through Jesus. Amen and amen. I want to entitle the message this morning, One Giant Leap for Mankind. And you'll see why as we go along here. Well, I remember uh, not too awful long ago, one of our discussions in men's group, Tom Kroll was talking about how he and Gordon used to do a lot of business by a handshake, right? Because time was where a man's handshake was his bond. You could, you could trust it. Um, kind of unfortunate in some ways that that's not the case anymore. But... That practice does have inherent risk, doesn't it? There's no paper trail. It's just one person's word against another. You can see how difficult that might be at times. Can you imagine uh, getting a knock on your door, interrupting your dinner, and all of a sudden here's one of your neighbors and, uh, and a police officer, and they say, hey, listen, I, I gave them $5,000 for their car yesterday, so I either want their car or I want my money back. You're like, what? When did you? What is it? You know, right? So this is why uh, when Moses gave the law that he got from the Lord, uh, he said in Deuteronomy 19, uh, verse 15 and following, he said, a single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or any wrong in connection with any offense he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. Pretty sound advice, right, from the Lord. And you can see how that principle's played out in our own criminal justice system, right? 
all the time. And that's why, too, early on in investigations, you see when, when there's people involved, they'll split them off into different rooms and question them to make sure that their stories line up. That's how they arrive at the truth, right? Now, it's not a foolproof system, obviously, but it sure is a lot better than just one person's word against another, which cancels it out and you don't know where to go and what to believe. So really, um, this is the principle that the Pharisees are referring to here in John 8. Though it's not a legal dispute as such, Jesus had made some rather interesting claims, right? That he was the Messiah, that he was the sent one, that he was the rightful king of Israel. He had just said, I am the light of the world. And the Pharisees are going, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You can't make that claim on your own. You're only one witness. Therefore, your witness, your, your word is not valid. It's not validated until you have two or three, right? Jesus answered them in verse 14, and he says, you know, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I come from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. Bottom line in all of this, Jesus says, I'm God. <laughs> I'm God. So even if I do this, I, I, I know where I came from, heaven, and I know that I'm going pretty soon to go back to the Father to sit at his right hand on the throne on high. And even if yeah, I was the only one to say it, it's still truth. Because this, this is true, right? Uh, but he goes on to say in verse 16, it's not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. He says, in your law, which they were referring to, right, it's written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. We see that at the baptism of Jesus, don't we? Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. should probably do that like, This is my beloved Son. Right? Give that sense of authority. Um, not to not to make light of it, I, I you know I can imagine what that that thunderous voice from heaven sounded like. So, but there you have it. The Father was testifying of who Jesus was. He was the Son. He was the Messiah. He was the King of Israel. We also see that testimony in the miracles of Jesus, don't we? Do you remember Nicodemus? We talked about him earlier on in John. One of their own, a Pharisee. What did he say to Jesus uh, in John chapter 3, verse 2? He says, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So, again, the Father was testifying to who Jesus was by the miracles that he enabled him 
to perform. So Jesus had the two witnesses, didn't he? He had the two witnesses. But he says this, and this is what uh, I want to go to today to really look at. John 8, 15, he says this to them. He says, you judge according to the flesh. You judge according to the flesh. What's he saying here? Let me paraphrase it for you. He's saying, you, you guys aren't looking at this right to begin with. Right from the very start, you have rejected me. Why? Because I'm not fitting into your mold. You have in your uh, uh, mind's eye how you think things should be done and what I should be doing and how I should be doing it, and I haven't fit that, so you've just passed me by. You've rejected me from the start. See, the Pharisees, instead of going back to the Scripture and looking up the prophecies about Jesus, instead of going to the Scripture with the words of Jesus and the actions of Jesus and saying, is this lining up with the Word of God? They weren't doing that. They were going by what they thought things should look like. So they rejected him. They were judging by face value. They were judging by outward appearance. They were judging according to their human wisdom. They were judging by their own experience and their own current understanding of how things should be. They were judging according to the system that was right and comfortable for them. And Jesus called all of that judging according to the flesh. We see that a lot in the Bible, don't we? The flesh versus the spirit. Let me ask you this morning. If you didn't know how the story ended, would you have bet on David or Goliath? Right? If you didn't know how the story ended, would you have bet on Moses and a bunch of runaway slaves or on the great Pharaoh and his trained army? Hmm. If you didn't know how the story ended, would you have believed that Mary, this young teenage girl, was made pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Would you have believed that a man that you watched publicly executed raised from the dead? Right? Flesh versus spirit. Human reason versus God's perspective. And what happened to the Pharisees who rejected Jesus? And what happened to the people, the scores and scores and hundreds of people that trusted in their judgment? The Bible says they missed the day of their visitation. Can you imagine for centuries Uh, generation to generation, there was the prophecy, we're going to have a Messiah. He's going to come. He's going to deliver us. He's going to be our king. And you were privileged and blessed as a Jew to be born in that place and in that time when he finally arrived. And you missed it. You missed it. But worse than that, 
worse than that. Now you've died in your sin because you have rejected the free gift of reconciliation between God and man. You've rejected that, and now you're dead in your trespasses and sins, eternally lost. Why? Because judgments were made according to the flesh. Can I submit to you this morning that you and I make judgments like that all the time? Don't we? Judging a situation by hearing only one side of it. I can remember uh, early days of marriage counseling. I would be sitting with a spouse and they would tell me all about what's going on and what's going wrong. And they would sound so intelligent as they would articulate the problem and analyze it and say just what's going on. It's like, man, this sounds so, uh, yeah, you really got a handle on this, right? So then I got all prepared by that information to talk to the other spouse and say, you know, to help them to see the light. And then I sat down with them, and they helped me to see the light. Because all of a sudden, there's another side to this thing. It's like, whoa, okay. All right, I learned very, very quickly that the truth is always somewhere in the middle. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah. But we do that, don't we? How many truths have you and I missed because we did not take the time to listen with an open mind to what somebody else was trying to tell us? How many people have you and I written off just by sight? Just by sight. Well, I can tell they're not my kind of people, right? You got all those piercings, tattoos from head to toe, and colored hair, right? And we write people off just by sight, having no idea who they are on the inside. On the contrary, we look at people as celebrities and we go, wow, you know, that person is just so wonderful. We have no idea. They could be the most miserable person, selfish, unkind Arrogant, right? But we make these judgments according to the flesh, don't we? How many opportunities have we missed because we've said, oh, no, that's just going to be too hard, and we just, right? Quick analyze it. How many times have we judged a situation as over? We've judged a marriage as it's, it's dead gone. We've judged a window as closed, right? A situation hopeless. Or maybe we've said in our hearts, I I wouldn't be able to do that. Or I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough for that. And we've missed out on opportunities. You remember Gideon? Gideon who defeated an army of about 120,000 people with 300 men. 400 to 1 odds, right? And what did he say when God called him? Judges 6.15, he said to him, Please, Lord, 
how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. I can't do that. I don't have the strength. I don't have the friends. I don't have the following. You're calling the wrong guy here, God. What might he have missed out on? Moses, remember before the burning bush, uh, Lord, I, 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 I don't talk right, right? I stutter. God's like, well, who made a man's mouth? It's not about your ability, Moses. It's because I am sending you and I will be with you. That's why you can do that. We saw this yesterday in the men's conference. When Moses sent men in to check out the land that God had already promised them, what did the majority of them say? They said, oh, the land is flows with milk and honey. It's a good land. It's lush. It's fertile. Awesome, right? And then Numbers 13, beginning of verse 20, says, however, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. What were they doing? They're judging according to the flesh, right? The cities are strong. The people are strong. We could never do that. And Joshua and Caleb go, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. wait a minute. Don't you remember who promised? You remember the same God that, that, that brought us out of Egypt through the Red Sea, made the Red Sea stand up. Hello? Are you forgetting something? You're judging according to the flesh. And so what happened? They wandered in the desert for 40 years. Many of them that had come out of Egypt, here they are right on the cusp right on the precipice of the promise, the fulfillment of God's promise to give them their land, a wonderful land. And again, they missed it. Wandered in the desert for 40 years, many of them dying, never seeing that promise fulfilled. All because they judged according to the flesh. Let me encourage all of us today. With God, nothing is impossible. Can I say that again? With God, nothing is impossible. Whatever he wants to do gets done, period. Right? Jesus walked on water. Right? So many of the beloved Bible studies, uh, the Bible stories that we read, I hate to use the word story, I like the word account, the Bible accounts that we read by all human appearance and ability were absolutely impossible. Right? But not with God. Not with God. Can you imagine 300, 400 years ago, people looking up at the moon, 1,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago, looking up at the moon, saying one day we could walk there. They probably would not even have considered that. You know, to them, it was just this light in the sky. To walk on that ball up there, impossible. But we did it, didn't we? We did it, didn't we? God has blessings. 
He has opportunities. He has people. He has experiences that he wants to bring into our lives to bless us and to cause us to be a blessing. But we can miss them if we judge according to the flesh. You and I need to learn how to judge things according to the Spirit. To judge by the Spirit. To see situations, to see people, to see even ourselves from God's perspective. Just like that first step on the moon, right? Nothing is impossible with God. So how do we do it, though? So I think we all get the concept, but how do we actually do this to learn how to judge by the Spirit? Well, fortunately for us, God has given us a whole book just full of his perspectives on life and on people and on situations and on you and me. A whole book of it so that we can learn how God operates, to learn how God thinks, to learn how God sees things. So that when we get in situations, you go, okay, yeah, yeah, this is like this. I know what God's thinking here. I know what God wants to do here. This looks impossible, but no, God did this before. God can do this again. I think this is what God's saying in this situation. This is not impossible. And the more that you and I read this word, the more that we ponder it, the more that we pray over it, the more that we discuss it as we're in our Bible studies in different groups, right? The more we will be able to spot these things and know what God has to say on them. And not only the word, but we have the Holy Spirit, right? When we ask Jesus to come into our lives as our Savior, and as our Lord, the Bible says he puts his Holy Spirit in us. Jesus said that the job of the Holy Spirit is to guide us into all truth. Not what we see with our eyes, not what we hear with our ears, but to guide us into the truth. That's his job. And Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14 says this. Let me encourage you with this. It says, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Do you see how discernment grows, distinguishing grows? How? By constant practice. What does that mean for us in this context? It means that the more and more we do this, the better and better we get at it. The more and more we read the word and seek to understand it and call on God and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us, to help us to see through his eyes, to help us to understand the way he understands things, the better and better we're going to get at it, the more and more we're going to grow in this. That's the encouragement. It's not impossible. We can be on a path to not judge by the flesh, but by the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray.
Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us your Holy Spirit so that we don't miss what you want to do in and through our lives. Thank you, Lord, for your patience with us. But thank you, Lord, you love us enough to put us on a path to progress for our good and for the kingdom of God. Thank you. We praise you for it, Lord. Through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.